Hello and welcome into Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports. JJ Derez here, heir of Dean, coming to break down some more avalanche hockey. I mean, most recently the avalanche take down the Dallas Stars in a big game. The avalanche showed up for a big game, which I know was a big relief for Avs players. Um, but Arif, they're climbing the central. The race in the central is on. It's tight. It's fun. With just a handful of games to go, we are still watching the standings as nothing has been clinched in the Western Conference yet. No, not at all. And I, I love what we're seeing right now because I think I mentioned this several weeks ago. It may have been with you. Maybe it was with Peter. Maybe it was with Ryan, one of the many people that filled in while you were away for a little bit. But Right now, what you're seeing in the Western Conference is three teams in the Central and three teams in the Pacific that have locked in that they are going to be one of the top three. Seattle, Winnipeg, Calgary, Nashville. None of them are going to jump into those top three, but there could be any kind of order. Like the Vegas Golden Knights are currently first place in the Pacific, first place in the West. So right now they would get to play the second wildcard team like the Avalanche did a season ago. However, between now and April 15 or April 17, the first day of the Stanley Cup playoffs, Vegas could literally drop down a second and being the two, three matchup with home ice advantage. They could drop to third. They could play any one of Edmonton or LA. They could keep first and play the top wildcard team. They can keep first and keep first in the West and play the second wildcard team. Uh, Colorado, Minnesota, Dallas, same thing. Colorado is in the driver's seat to win the division. They now control their own de destiny. They could win the division and get the second wildcard team. They could win the division and get the first wildcard team. They can get stuck in a 2-3 matchup with home ice advantage. They can get stuck in a 2-3 matchup without home ice advantage. And it's the same thing for Dallas, same thing for Minnesota, same thing for Edmonton, same thing for LA. Literally nothing is figured out. And I think that is so great given that every team has played 75, 76, or 77 out of 82 games already. Yeah, I mean, one thing you, you failed to mention, it's very unlikely, but there's even a scenario where the Avalanche missed the playoffs entirely. The only thing <laughs> that's set in stone right now is that the Vegas Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers are making the playoffs. So I think uh, I think one more win gets the Avs in, by the way, like officially clinched. Nice. That that will be nice. I don't think anybody was worried about it at any moment, but um, yeah, it'll be good to just see that X next to Colorado's name. But I guess, how do you want to approach this? Do you want to go into the, some scenarios here? Do you want to break down each one or do you just want to simply blanket over the central right now and uh, look at those top three and, and how that race is, is panning out. Let's look at those top three because, you know, Wednesday, the avalanche lost a tough game to the Minnesota wild, a game that they needed really badly in order to solidify that first seed in the West or sorry, in the central. And they lost in regulation to a team that had one regulation loss in it's in 20 games. But you go into the games on Saturday, the second team in that race is the Dallas stars a night going not the Avalanche's way could have all but solidified that they would not get first place. And we're talking Minnesota wins their game. Colorado loses to Dallas. Minnesota and Dallas each get two points. Colorado gets zero. If that scenario played out on Saturday, you can all but guarantee the Avalanche are pretty much not jumping into first. But it was the exact opposite. The Avalanche got two points and an RW in the standings. Dallas and Minnesota, zero points, a loss each. Obviously, Dallas to Colorado, Minnesota to Vegas. It played out just the way the Avalanche needed it to. And now Colorado's back to having the to back to being in the driver's seat. They are in the driver's seat. They have and control their own destiny where they can win the central division. Something they have not had the entire season. First spot in the central. They can have that by the time the playoffs start. Something they have had the entire season and they're going to have until the 
season ends is that game in hand, right? I mean, they are going to be the last NHL regular season game, um, them and the Nashville Predators. So that gives them quite the advantage too, because they can approach it how they want coming to that end of the season based off where they're kind of falling in the standing. So there's a chance, hey, maybe everything's set in stone by the time that Nashville game rolls around and they can maybe rest some guys, um, you know, depending on how close some of the guys are to their 100-point mark, which we'll get into in a second. You know, you, you can kind of relax freely. So we'll see how they I – mean, I mean, there's also a chance that that game matters a lot and you have to play your best guys and really go out there for a win against the Predators and see if you can clinch that top spot. Um, otherwise, yeah, there's a good chance they fall in the 2-3. So, um, yeah, that game in hand's super important. It, I mean, it always is important, but um, I'm excited to see how things play out by the time that game rolls around. Yeah, and it's it's really important. Also, it's it's big to know uh, to remember that the Avalanche still do have a lot of games against bad teams. Uh, they have what is it? Seven games left. Three of them are against the Ducks, the Sharks, and the Sharks, and the other four are against a really good Kings team, a very good lately Edmonton Oilers team, and then the Jets and the Predators, who are both fighting for that second wild card spot right now with the Calgary Flames. So. Uh, three of those games are really, really easy wins that the Avalanche should or could and should not lose and should pretty much, you know, make sure that they collect six points in those. The other four games, that's where you're going to see what, you know, what this team is made of heading into the playoffs. Let's get into the 5-2 victory over the Dallas Stars on Saturday night, because again, like I, I mentioned at the top of the show, it was a big game that the Avalanche showed up for and something that we hadn't seen in a while. You and I have brought up the Minnesota and the Pittsburgh game as examples. And uh, you can look at it as a scheduled win, right? Dallas coming in on the second night of a back-to-back, but the Avalanche still had to take care of business and they had to play the right way. They had to respond off of, you know, their coaches criticisms and their own self-criticism from the game against Minnesota. So they came out of the gate strong, had a good first period and just handled the game from start to finish. Again, I know Dallas was tired. Dallas was coming in from a, a second night, but they still played hard. They still wanted that victory just as bad as the Avalanche did. You could tell by them starting Jake Ottinger in both both of the back-to-backs. Yeah, it was a big game for the Dallas Stars. They knew, just like the Avalanche did, that they needed to win that game in order to be in the position that Colorado is now, where it's in the driver's seat for the Central Division and to be you know, within striking distance of that first seat again, something that Dallas held for many months before this recent, you know, little bit of a rut that they're on, um, which is unfortunate for Dallas. They're five, four, and one in their last ten. Yet the Avs are eight and two, and Minnesota six, two, and two. So uh, they're kind of reeling a little bit here and losing their place among those uh, top two seats that are guaranteed home ice advantage in the first round. So it was a big game for them. They are also a team that entered twenty three, ten, and five on the road, which is pretty damn good for a road record. Um, but the avalanche in terms of their response, I think they did an excellent job of not just playing right, but starting the game on time. And that was the big thing, especially like you said, playing a team in the second of a back to back for the Avs to come out, score the first goal, eventually get a two to nothing lead and kind of be in the driver's seat. Something that was the opposite of the Minnesota game and the Pittsburgh game, where it seemed like they were always trying to catch up. You remember Pittsburgh, it was a two-goal game. The Avs make it a one-goal game, Jeff Carter scores. Then the Avs make it a one-goal game, then Jeff Carter scores again. Like They were always trailing. They were always trying to play catch-up, where at times it seemed like the Avs were the better team and could beat Pittsburgh, but they never could even get within striking distance because they were always trailing. And that's exactly what happened to the Dallas Stars. 
There were times where Dallas was playing really well. There were times where it was a one goal game. There were times where it was, uh, we thought would be a one goal game before the challenge ended up uh, negating the goal that they scored. That would have made it three to two where it always felt like Dallas is inching closer and closer and closer. And then Nathan McKinnon scores a power play goal with 12 seconds left in the second two goal game. Val Nachushkin scores an empty netter three goal game. Miko Rantanen adds another empty netter. Like it always felt like Dallas was chasing and it was huge for the abs to be in that driver's seat for once. One thing you can count on from this team, and I think we've seen it the last couple seasons, is their ability to bounce back. I mean, they so rarely lose back-to-back games, and I hope some of our listeners took Superbook Sports with it because that fact combined with the Stars back-to-back, I mean, you felt that the Avalanche were going to handle this game. And being the, you know, champion, the reigning champions that they are, you know they still have a lot left in the tank as far as quality hockey. So you knew the Avalanche were gonna were gonna control this game, but it was just a matter of them executing and doing it right for the full 60 minutes. I feel like that was more important for the Avalanche than the win. I think they came into it knowing, all right, this is probably a game we're gonna win. What we want to do is play the right way. And you saw it in that first goal, um, McKinnon's goal where he throws it into the corner, lets his guys dig it out of out of the corners and, and get to work, right? Jared Bednar mentioned the four check there. I think it was Rodriguez and Rantanen. Rantanen digs the puck out, finds a beautiful pass across the seam to Nathan McKinnon all by himself. And that was just the hard work mentality that the Avalanche were trying to instill after the Minnesota game. Again, I think that was more important for them than the victory. But of course, you do that kind of stuff. The victories take care of themselves. But there was even a scenario, I pointed it out to you, Kale McCarr is one-on-one, was he with Jamie Ben, I think it was somebody he was one on one. And instead of taking him, taking him wide, like we've known Kale McCarr to do or yeah. Nathan McKinnon guys with speed, he chips it into the corner and goes and chases it himself and digs it out. And I feel like he probably yeah, went back to the that. bench and was like, that's what you wanted from us. Right, coach. You wanted us to go four check and dig pucks out of the corner and, and display our hard effort. And I think that's what we saw with the avalanche last night. Also, something that was really big that, you know, even I've been kind of guilty of this as well is I think we look at the Dallas stars as the avalanche kryptonite this season. It's been the conversation in our head, huh? The the bubble is in our head. The Pete DeBoer factor, the, uh, just the way they play that physical game, that game in early March really fucked with a lot of our minds. That game where Dallas, where the avalanche went into Dallas and got blown out seven, three empty netter six, three. I think they were chilling six, one at one point before making it six, three. <clears throat> excuse me in in that game or what that game has done and even leading up to that game the two months leading up to it where the stars were kind of playing really really strong and we're like oh this team might be an issue then you go into dallas you play that game and you're like yeah this team is definitely an issue i've been guilty of it we think of the dallas stars as the avalanche's kryptonite what that victory did at ball arena is it put the avalanche once again back in the driver's seat So we've had them in the driver's seat in games with the leads. We've had them in the driver's seat in the central. We now have them back in the driver's seat with the Dallas Stars because these two teams play two games in a span of a week around Thanksgiving back in November, and we don't talk about it. We don't talk about the fact that on November 21st, the Avalanche went into Dallas and beat them 3-2 to in the shootout, which also included uh, a goal from Alex Duhok and a goal from uh, Kale McCarr that was, you know, you saw a little bit of the depth scoring. You saw a little bit of the top guy scoring. And then five days later, the stars came into Denver, put up 42 shots only for Georgiev to make 42 wins, uh, 42 saves. McKinnon, Manson, Dryden, freaking Hunt, and Andrew Cagliano were the goal scorers. The Avalanche beat the stars twice in a week, outscoring them seven to three. 
That was in November. Nothing in December, nothing in January, nothing in February. We saw the avalanche fall. We saw them you know, reach a low. We saw Georgiev slam his stick in Vancouver. We saw the Chicago Blackhawks beat them. All of these issues, while the Stars are racking up points, OT losses and wins, always making sure they get a point in their games, being that top seed in the Central, really dominating that Central. They were top seed in the West for a really long time. Leading into that game in early March, on March 4th, where the Avalanche go into Dallas and get blown out. And now we're thinking of Dallas as their kryptonite. But now this victory puts the Avalanche back in the driver's seat. You wouldn't think from all the narratives, and again, I'm guilty of this too, that we've heard this year about the Dallas Stars being an issue for the Avalanche, which they still could be, and they still probably will be in the playoffs. You wouldn't think that despite all of that, no Landeskog, all the injuries, that the Avalanche took three or four games in the series. I mean, the last couple games we've seen the Avalanche face potential first-round opponents, right? Do you think there's an element from both sides, both from Jared Bednar and you know the the both opposing coaches for Minnesota and Dallas, to not show all of your cards to maybe play eighty percent of your style to you know that way ramp it up come playoff time and catch them off guard on something, or do you think it's just simply let's do everything we can to get victories right now? So are you saying, do they do the thing that I do whenever I play ping pong with someone where when we're warming up before I continuously hit the net and I hit it out. And then as soon as we serve the first ball, I'm like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm awesome. Uh, no, I, I don't, I don't think they do that, which you, you know, very well because I did uh, destroy you the one and only time. We no, played. you didn't. You beat me by like one. Ah, uh, okay. But I beat you by one. Get over out and over of here. <laughs> um, the avalanche also beat the lightning by one, but you know, nobody talks about the lightning getting close. They talk about the Avs being cup champs. Thank you very much. <laughs> shut so, up anyways uh, shut up Arif. that's my way of saying we need to play ping pong soon but anyways um do i think that they do that i i really don't i genuinely don't think so i think the avalanche have too much pride to even think they need to do that this is something i don't think i i, I didn't read the story but i was there when he asked the many many questions about it kyle frederickson at the colorado gazette was openly asking jared bender and players about you know, because he comes from a background of covering the NFL and the NBA and other leagues where he said it's it's really interesting that the NHL just has these practices out in public. Anybody can come like the NFL puts up 10 feet walls around their practices. They give media a 10 minute segment and then they say, get the hell out of here. We got to practice and everything is secretive. It's not like that in hockey. You can watch game film. You can watch practices. You can come in and scout the team's morning skate before you take the ice as the road team. You can do all these things to pick up on a team's tendencies, how they play, how they are. So uh, keeping things close to the best and secretive, and we're not going to give them our full effort until the playoffs. I just, there's no reason for teams to do that. It's not really going to help you as much as you would think. So I genuinely don't think that's the case. I just think we're seeing a case of the avalanche ramping it up because it's getting close to the playoffs. I loved the way that Jared Bednar explained Nathan McKinnon ramping it up when I asked him that question yesterday about McKinnon having 21 goals in these last 27 games. Uh, this is a team that's getting close to the Stanley Cup playoffs, that the season has been a grind. It's been kind of hard to cruise through this after playing playoff hockey last year, which you and I have spoken about even as media. It's been hard to cover. On opening night, we were talking about that. Yeah, on opening night. And that was <laughs> 75 games ago. We're like, man, I miss playoff hockey already. <laughs> and you you can't even imagine what the players are feeling like in that. So. They're ramping it up at the great time, and the Dallas Stars came in and they said, we're, we're going to beat this team. And, you know, does that mean they didn't ramp it up three nights ago? No, they, they probably should have beat the Minnesota Wild. They did have a rut of a game, and there were some passengers, as Jared said. Um, but 
I just think that the Avalanche wanted to show the Dallas Stars and wanted to prove that, hey, we are the better team and we want the Central. If uh, other NHL teams were smart, they'd put us or guys like us on their payroll as as spies, right? <laughs> to your point of open practices. Yeah, you would. Yeah, I mean, I would more than happily take a paycheck, some hush hush money to under the table though. Shh, yeah. don't, don't let, let the people, people our let the people know what Kale looks like at practice. <laughs> Let's uh, look at Nathan McKinnon and Miko Ranton and who you just brought up. I mean, big games out of them against the Stars. Two goals out of out of McKinnon. A four point night from Miko. One goal, three assists. I mean, obviously these guys are are climbing the standings or not the standings, but the the rankings as far as statistics and points. Both gunning for a hundred points here. Um, I guess let's just start with a simple question. Do you think they both get to a hundred? I do. (laughs) I genuinely do. Going into that game yesterday, Miko Rantanen was at 88 points and needed eight games to get 12 points. And I said, this is doable considering they play Anaheim once the sharks twice. He'll probably have a three point night here or there. Uh, I wasn't considering the fact that he would have a four-point night and two empty net points in the final two minutes to already knock out four of the 12 points he needs, and he still has two games against San Jose and one against Anaheim. I think he's going to get there. I think the team is going to feed him. As long as he doesn't go on like a four-game pointless drought here, I think he's going to get close to it in the last couple games of the season or the last three or four games, and then the team will start to feed him. The team will start to give him the puck and try to get him to that 100. Um, Six games, or sorry, seven games, eight points needed, very, very reasonable and very doable for Miko. And you know he wants it too. As much as he says that he just wants the team to to take over that first division spot that, and uh, he's not interested in that 100 points. We heard from Jared Bednar how he had to even talk to Miko a little bit and you know kind of calm his mind down from thinking too much about getting to that 50-goal point um, because you know he's Jared Bednar said that he, he might have been gri- gripping his stick too tightly there yeah. for a couple of games. So getting yeah, that empty netter is nice. nature. It's yeah, human nature. When absolutely. you get to 47, 48, you're right there. You, can you want accolades too, right? You want to prove to yourself that you're improving, yeah. that you're getting better, that your time in the league is not even close to winding down. Um, so I think from, from Miko's standpoint, yeah, the most important thing is absolutely the avalanche getting that first division spot. But what a nice little cherry on top it would be if he could get both that and the 50. Point, yep. 50 goal mark and a hundred point mark. That's why you shoot empty netters from your own blue line because you want to get that. <laughs> he, as selfish as it is of a move, and I see, I don't mean that selfishly. I don't, I don't use that word selfish in a negative connotation. But in NHL standards, people always say it's selfish, or people would think it's selfish to shoot the empty netter before clearing the red line because you p- potentially could ice the puck. So as selfish, and I do that with air quotes of a move for Miko Rantanen to shoot that he's confident he can hit the net. And he did with a sick bar down goal to get to 49 shooting. That puck was his plan B. I, I even asked him about it because I noticed it. He got the puck. He looks left. He looks right. He wants somebody to pass it to. He couldn't find anybody. So he said, screw it. I'm just going to shoot it. Goes bar down from the other end of the, of the uh, ice. Okay. But I even asked, Hey, did you look, look for a pass there first? And he's like, yeah, I just, I couldn't find anybody. So there was nobody there. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is pretty cool. Cause you saw him shoot the empty netter in the, in the Dallas zone earlier. And it was going a little bit wide and Val and the Chushkin was like, all right, I'll, I'll tip this in. And Val got the goal. Miko got his third assist. So see again there, I, I don't think he was shooting that. I think that was pass all the way. You think so? I do. I do. He's he's not going for the selfish play. And as much as he does want it, it's not his most important thing. He'd rather see his teammate uh, bury an easy empty net goal than just tacking on his easy. And, and he even said himself, he doesn't put too much stock into empty net goals, too. He literally said they don't count. Yeah, I will say it does. I mean, not that I wanted it to be on an empty net or anything, but it is a bummer that 
we probably aren't going to have Miko Rantanen score his 50th goal at Ball Arena here unless he goes on like this crazy goal-scoring drought in California for four games. Mm -hmm. uh, it would be nice for the Avalanche to win something at Ball Arena for friggin' once. Like every series last year, and I know they won the Stanley Cup, and like fans of other teams would be like, oh my God, look at spoiled Avalanche fans complaining about something. But <laughs> every series was won on the road last year. Um, they haven't had a home a home series win like the handshake line going on at their home rink for a victory since 2008 uh 50 goal mark 100 point mark i want to see something cool at ball arena you even brought it up last night as we were watching nathan mckinnon's hat trick watch he was floating around with two goals and you were like let's get a hat trick at ball arena it's been a long time since we've yeah. seen a hat trick here last hat trick at ball arena nathan mckinnon and it was ruined because st louis tied it up and won game five like <laughs> So it would be nice to see the Avalanche get something like that at Ball Arena because you know that crowd is rowdy. I'll never forget Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final. There was, like, the players were so open about it. Like, the entire city was like, this is going to happen tonight. And it ended up not going that way. And, and you know, it was, it was pressure that got to them ultimately is what it was. But it would be cool to see something like that this year. Yeah, and, and Nathan McKinnon's play, I mean, ever since the All-Star game, he's the, the leading scorer in the NHL, right? That's one of your stats that you fed me last night since the All-Star break. So, um, yeah, just elevated play out of him. I know Jared Bednar says how much better he's gotten throughout the season. Of course, I don't think he's literally saying he's getting better. He just has gotten better from point A to today, right? Yeah. He's not better a better version of Nathan McKinnon this year than he is last year, or would you would you disagree with that? Honestly, I mean, he's still at the prime of his career where he's getting better seemingly every season. So uh, I know what you mean. Like, it's kind of the way I asked the question yesterday. It's not that he started the season slow, but he still ramps it up as you get closer to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Good stuff out, out of uh, Nathan McKinnon for sure. But I, I think the goal of the night honestly belongs to Logan O'Connor, the way he turned styled uh, with uh, Miro Heiskanen and then uh, – through just slid it five hole on on Jake Ottinger, kind of sneaky. Uh, just a big goal, really nice looking goal. I mean, he 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 faked Miro Heiskanen out, right? So that's the uh, kind of tools that Logan O'Connor has in his tool belt every once in a while. And I think he's kind of following suit of the top guys, and everybody's ramping things up right here as playoff time comes. And I think what you saw out of the even depth scoring the last couple nights has been uh, something you can rest your hat on as as being right. Uh, not right where you need it, but it, it's getting it's getting closer. Yeah, last year he had eight goals and fifteen assists. This year he's already up to sorry eight goals and sixteen assists. This year he's up to one more in both categories: nine goals, seventeen assists. So he's doing his part to make sure he's a better version of himself and uh, scoring the big goals at the big times. Because Logan O'Connor last year we saw him score a lot early in the season, and then he kind of like fizzled out his offensive production. Um, and then didn't really pick it up, pick it back up at a, at that good of a pace, but we're seeing him this year. He fizzled out in the middle parts, but in these later stages of the regular season, as the games start to matter more, he's starting to pick it up as the games start to matter more. You're starting to see, uh, someone like Jack Johnson producing. You're starting to see guys like Andrew Cogliano putting up points. Darren Helm is getting oh so close to goals, just being that dirty pesky in front of the crease player just digging out pucks and fighting in the in, in the in the blue paint so you know he's gonna start to produce Lars Eller scored a couple big goals there and Jared still says there's more to give from Lars Eller Alex Newhook is like right there to break out of his point slump that he's in right now so this is what you need from your depth guys especially in a season where you just don't have the star power you did a year ago uh, I know he's not 
you know, maybe a fan favorite or the most obvious talking point, but you just brought up Jack Johnson. And I think what I've seen out of him is such good, subtle defense lately. I mean, obviously from the offensive side, he is what he is, but from the defensive side of the game, he's been outstanding. I would say I'd go as far as saying he's been outstanding. He's been making good plays, breaking up passes and um, just being a menace down there in the defensive zone. He makes the safe play every single time and does it without, you know, and obviously I'm generalizing, there are some turnovers here and there, but does it without turning over the puck? Does it without any kind of, again, like if you notice a defenseman that plays the game that Jack Johnson plays, that's not a good thing. That means they're making mistakes. And I think that that's something that was so lost on so many of us. And I'm not going to pretend I was one of those people because I liked the trade, but like, that's something that was so lost on so many people when the Avalanche traded Andreas Englund for Jack Johnson is Jack Johnson is just such a veteran in what he does. He makes that safe play every single time. Dependability. That's the word that Jared used. He's so dependable. You know exactly what you're going to get from him. With someone like Andreas Englund, he had games where he was giving you what Jack Johnson would give you. But then there were other games where he was sticking out for the wrong reasons. And when you have the games like that, then that's where you're going to have the issues. That's where you're going to start to have turnovers and things like that. And what Jack has brought in that very underrated, solid trade for the Avalanche is dependability on a blue line that's been hampered with injuries all year and still is missing uh, Josh Manson. Look at us talking about depth scoring and depth defense. I mean, that's a great sign heading towards the playoffs because yeah, those, are absolutely. Th- those are two talking points that we've been saying have been lacking. I know it's been one game on the second night of a back-to-back for the Stars, but you need a game like that to build the momentum and, and to build off of uh, the last game to go to move forward. I mean, like you said, there's good opportunity here in the upcoming road trip. So to leave home playing a, a good effort and a good style of hockey top to bottom, it's what you want right now. Yeah, and you know what? I'll take it a step further, and I'll add the depth goaltending in there. With Pavel Francouz injured, the Avalanche have needed to give Georgie some nights off. In the last two games, Jonas Johansson has played. I don't care if it's Ottawa. I don't care if it's teams that are out of the playoffs. He's won both of them, and that's what you need from your from your backup goalie, from your depth players. Transitions us nicely to the next conversation of Alexander Georgiev. Gets his 35th win of the season last night against Dallas. I tweeted it out. His career high before that and just games played was 34. So he's already exceeded that. You know, he's had a lot more weight on his shoulders and he's handling it with flying colors. Yeah, he's been unbelievable. 35 wins. He is second in the NHL behind Linus Olmark. And like the Avalanche keep getting a new goalie. Like it's It was Grubauer, then it was Kemper, and now it's this guy. And every single time they make the switch, you kind of feel... You know, you hope that the goalie figures it out right away. And, and you know, Gruby didn't figure it out right away. He needed some time. Uh, Kemper didn't figure it out right away. He needed some time. Georgie figured it out right away. And he's been solid the entire season outside of that 12-game stretch where he played every single game where Jared had to give him like a two or three-game mental reset in January. Outside of that, Georgie has been so solidly consistent and sound. That was the word that Logan O'Connor used. He's such a sound guy back there that like they love playing in front of him because nothing he does makes you nervous. He's not sticking out in any way, just similar to Jack Johnson. He just does his job and he's just so quiet back there. Yeah. I mean, let's let's look at the game against the Stars, right? Early in that first period, he had two huge saves that I, I think that's what kept the Stars at bay. That's what deflated their morale. That's what 
made them, you know, not as confident in their offense and maybe looking for that extra pass, looking for an easier goal because he was shutting them down. That post to post save he made followed it across perfectly and just stuffed, I forget who. And then he followed it up with a, another similar big save just minutes after that. So he's come in clutch. I mean, yeah, he he's had to do only so much because of the strong defensive structure in front of him. But when he's needed, I mean, I've, I've talked about it before. His reactions are second to none. He's there. He's ready for that shot. And he's standing tall. His kick saves are, are 100% my favorite. When he gets that pad out, the toe save, whatever you want to call it. When he gets that pad out right up against the post and blocks that puck, like those are my favorite. He's, he's everything he does just looks so structured. Like I'm not a goalie guy. That's you. But like everything he does just looks so structured. He's not flailing about to make his saves. It's a very, it looks routine every time. And that's what you love about someone like him. You know, I, I think I've said this before over the four years we've been doing this podcast, Patrick Waugh used to always say when he was, you know, the goaltender he was with the avalanche before his coaching career, he used to say, I'm never on the highlight reel. I'm never on the sports center top 10 because I'm in position. And when I'm in position, the puck hits me in the logo. I don't need to be out of position to make a big diving save or a big kick save. I'm in position. And that's why my saves don't look like highlight real saves. Amen. Georgie. Amen. And you see it all the time. He's, he's not the one that's laying on his side to make the save because he's following the puck across sliding and it's hitting him right in the pad or hitting him right in the glove, hitting him right in the chest. He's so in position. He's so good at reading the play and his reactions are amazing. I feel like we're doing this. Remember, we we introed the season with a whole segment of where I broke down Georgiev's game down to the last yeah. detail. I feel like we're circling right back and saying the exact same things. He's exactly what we expected him to be coming into the season and maybe even then some a little bit. Yeah, and and he's ramping it up, like you said, as we get closer to the playoffs. He's playing better hockey. That's what you want from your depth goalie. That's what you want from your depth forwards, from your depth defensemen. And it's sure as hell what you want from your starting goalie. And he does it so modestly too, right? I mean, just a quiet guy. You go to talk to him. He's neither up or down about his game at any time. Yeah, sometimes he's a little bit disappointed, but he's not like, you know, scary to talk to disappointed. Yeah, no, not, not at all. He's just such a genuine dude. You wouldn't think he's the guy that... Uh, tried to punch his own teammate, <laughs> Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> Go look up that video. It's that, great. That just shows you how big of a dick you have to be to, to, to get under a guy like Alexander that. Alexander Georgiev. Yeah. Like, I remember when the Avalanche traded for him, everybody's like, oh, this is that guy with the temper. And you're, he's very not. The two times I've seen him express any kind of frustration was the one time he punched his teammate and uh, Tony D'Angelo, who ended up getting bought out by the Rangers because they were like, yeah, Georgie was right here. And the second time was when he slammed his stick on a post against the Vancouver Canucks and the Avalanche as a whole team were kind of reeling. Absolutely abused that net. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's take a second here for Superbook Sports. Guys, baseball is back, and the push for the postseason is on for hockey and for hoops. Make it all count this spring with Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is the best wagering app around with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, Get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And yes, that's right. Hockey playoffs right around the corner. The juiciest time to take action and make some bets. So go check out Superbook Sports and get a little bonus for you. A little free bet. Why not? 
if if I gave you two hundred and fifty dollars of my own money, Arif, and said put this on any bet you wanted, wouldn't that just be one of the nicest things anybody could do for you? Yeah, and I would put it on Miko Rantanen hitting fifty goals. <laughs> Seems about a sure thing. A sure thing. A sure things can sure thing. Well, well, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about it at all. Okay, Miko. Uh, let's get to some injury <laughs> updates. I, I know, you know, it was a very full morning skate before the Dallas Stars game, and we saw a lot of guys uh, back on the ice. What is their actual um, return looking like? You know, l- looking mostly at guys like Francis, Josh Manson, and Arturi Lekkinen. I mean, no, we know we're keeping an eye on Gabe, but, um, you know, that update isn't really changing too much. Pavel Francouz skating with the team there was huge. That was his first time skating with his teammates, and he took some shots, and then he left early. It's a good sign because this is a guy, you know, like Darren Helm. Like, it went from he's injured, let him play, to we might never see this guy again. And, like, Frankie, it wasn't to that extent like Darren Helm. But, you know, Jared has been very coy with saying, like, I don't know when we're going to get him back, if we get him back, or what the deal is. So, it was really nice to see Pavel Francouz out. And given the fact that it's April 2nd, we're 15 days away from the playoffs, maybe he gets a game before then. Maybe he's at least healthy before then where he can be a backup, where you feel a little bit more comfortable knowing that Georgie has Frankie backing him up. It's going to be huge for him to get uh, at least some regular yeah, season yeah, time. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. I mean, it was so, he was such a pivotal piece of the playoff run last year. You'd hate to just throw him to the fire without, yeah. you know, having a little bit of comfort behind him. But at the same time, he's kind of used to that stuff. He's done he, it before. He missed done an entire a, season. Absolutely. So um, while he's healing, whichever injury is continuing to ail him, uh, just speculation on my part. Um, I think you know he'll be able to to bounce back, but I I do want to see him. That's why, like I said earlier, if you can get to that Nashville game and make that game not matter, what a perfect game to uh, get Frankie's feet wet right before the playoffs. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be really cool. Or if he's healthy before then, to get him into a to a game, you know, maybe even sometime yeah, before then would be yeah. would be better. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So. You know, maybe even against Edmonton. Hey, remember me? I'm the guy that swept <laughs> you in the friggin' playoffs last year. So, like, there's there's tons of possibilities. So, hopefully, you don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we don't know when he's coming back. Like, that's still the case. But seeing him on the ice is a big deal. Uh, Lekkinen, we're seeing him skate a lot and skate hard, which makes sense. He's got a broken finger. His skates and his legs are perfectly fine. Um, I still think he's, you know, on schedule for that six-ish week timeline from the time of his injury which has been like two three four weeks ago whatever it's been now not four definitely not four a little over two weeks ago um two and a half weeks ago so we'll probably see him at some point late in the regular season i would hope if not right at the start of the playoffs um and then for josh manson that's a little bit of an interesting one i'm i don't know what the deal is with josh yet that doesn't mean it's bad news it just means i i don't really have much to say about him it's just tough to see him return for such a brief time and then get right back out of the lineup. And then we don't have an update, right? It's very worrisome as if, you know, he is, he's dealing with something major here and, and he's working his hardest to get back, but he's just, he's not quite there. He's not going to do it. Almost reminiscent of Darren Helm, right? Darren Helm did the same thing. Works all year to try to get back on the ice. What is it? Two games he played and then he's right back out of the lineup. Um, you hate to see it, but you just hate to, to know that there's something bigger at hand that's just not healing or or not able to be worked through or even you know it's playoff time not evil not able to just be played on yeah i mean the the big thing that i i i think matters when it comes to the injuries the avalanche have faced this year 
um, and this goes into Josh Manson specifically, is this is a guy a lot of a lot of players fall into this category. Nichushkin is not one of them, but but Josh Manson definitely does. Whenever he comes back from injuries, his game is still right up there to where it should be. The very first game Josh Manson had back against the Minnesota Wild, you know, several weeks ago, over a month ago now, you can you were able to notice him right away. Bowen Byron, when he came back, you were able to notice him right away. Uh, that's something that we've seen from pretty much everybody. Nathan McKinnon, you were able to see him right away. It's something we saw from everybody outside of Val Nachushkin because he came back still hurt. Darren Helm, the first time he came back, he came back still hurt. But Darren Helm, the second time, how freaking good has he been? He's been so, it's been so great to see him back. And the fact that we're doing an injury update and number 43 is not one of them for once is pretty damn nice. Yeah. So that's the thing with Josh Manson is, is when he comes back, he's, he's instantly like, you can, you can see it right away. And it's something that, you know, like Frankie, you want him to get some games in Josh. If he doesn't get games in, it's unfortunate before the playoffs, but even if he steps into the playoffs, you know, he'll be a difference maker. Yeah, I mean, there's such a difference between just simple man games lost and losing man games to guys who are impactful into your lineup, like Arturi Leikin and Landeskog, Josh Manson, Pavel Francouz. So, yeah, uh, uh, we're hoping everything, you know, the stars. This is the healthiest the team has been all year. This is the healthiest the team has freaking been all year. Look at their forwards. Look at their defense. Is there any passengers? Is Dennis Malgan a passenger? Maybe some nights, <laughs> but we've also seen him score big goals on other nights. Matt Nieto. He's a guy that can produce as a number 11, 12, 13 forward. Very much, you know, a very good guy. Uh, with Eric Johnson returning, with Kel McCarr returning, Brad Hunt's not in the lineup. And if Brad Hunt was in the lineup, it would be because the Avalanche didn't trade England for Jack Johnson, and they would have to rotate between England and Hunt. But that's not the case. Jack Johnson is back. He is a more dependable guy. You have just the best roster you've had pretty much all season, and you still have your backup goalie. Arturi Lekkinen, Josh Manson, and Gabe Landeskog on the sideline. Yeah. So, you know, while we sit here and say, oh, well, Dallas was on the second night of a back-to-back, Avalanche have their own problems that they're dealing with, too. So I think missing three big guys like that to your forward group, forward-slash-defensive group, Lekkinen, Landeskog, Manson, very impactful guys. I mean, yeah. if and when they do come back, it's going to make such a difference and, and such an addition to an already decent team that's figuring it out with, with the guys that they have. Yeah, look, hey, a week and a half ago, the Pittsburgh Penguins came into Denver and beat the Colorado Avalanche and then went into Dallas the very next night and lost to the Dallas Stars. So the Dallas Stars got to beat up on a team on the second of a back-to-back that just beat the Avalanche and helped them in two ways, by beating the Avs and losing to them. So, you know what? You take the schedule as you get it, and, and the Avalanche took advantage of of the Stars and, and took care of business, most importantly. You indeed take the schedule as you get it and as you've brought up a couple times already this episode, a nice little, I don't want to call it an exhale because you still got to show up and beat these teams, but California road trip coming just in time, San Jose, San Jose, LA, Anaheim. What are LA you is going to be fun. LA is going to be a fun, tough game. That's a team that you were talking about in the press box yesterday. That's a team. We're not talking enough about. I'm excited for that game. The other three, you got to win them. You got to win them. You got to win them clean. You got to get six points. You got to hope to get three RWs out of it. Regulation wins. And you got to continue to climb in the standings because right now the Minnesota Wild and the Dallas Stars are trailing the Colorado Avalanche in points percentage. And they're looking at the schedule and saying, God dang it, they got two games against the Sharks, so we got to stay sharp. That means the Avalanche got to stay sharp and do their part. 
Just make sure everybody's taking their naps. We got 8.30, 8.30, 8.30, consecutive 8.30s on the Pacific Coast this weekend or this week. So get those, uh, get the, get your rest in. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, two weeks left in the season. I think it's, it's a pill that is easier to swallow at this point. Yeah, I'll take it. Leave it, leave it for the end part. And, you know, like I said last week, or last Wednesday against the Minnesota Wild, something y'all don't want to hear out loud, but you're going to have to hear it out loud. It's good practice for the round one of the playoffs where the Avalanche are always the second game of a back-to-back with 822 and 852 mm-hmm. puck drops. They had an 852 local time puck drop against the St. Louis Blues last year in St. Louis. It was 752 Mountain. But the guys covering the team in St. Louis had an 852 p.m. puck drop. St. Louis fans ridiculous but you know what you got to get used to it now because it's it's coming in just a couple weeks yep indeed indeed so here's a good uh spot to plug our next podcast tomorrow we have espn's arda ocal joining us in a nice little interview so it'll be a little bonus episode for the podcast we'll drop on monday so look out for that and definitely enjoy a great conversation a great guy just so well-spoken, so professional, and uh, just was, was a pleasure to talk to. I'm, I'm so happy that he, he took a second out of such a busy hockey Sunday to chat with uh, little guys like you and I. Yeah, what I, what I love about national media and guys like that is like it makes you realize how spoiled you are, you know, for, for us specifically covering this team, to get to watch guys like Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, and Miko Rantanen every night. Because these guys venture into all 32 teams. They watch a lot of hockey. They look at a lot of things. And it always comes back to look at those skilled guys in Denver. And it's the same thing, you know, with Pittsburgh, with Malkin and Crosby in their prime. What what Edmonton is doing right now. Guys like that, you know, Matthews and Marner. Like, it makes you realize the teams in those markets, the fans, the media, how selfish or not selfish, how spoiled you are to get to see those guys every single night. Because there was one thing he brought up when we were talking about the perception of the avalanche among national media, he mentioned the goal that uh, Miko Rantanen set up to Nathan McKinnon on Saturday against the Dallas Stars, where McKinnon kept the puck in at the blue line, and then Miko was fighting in the corner, and Nathan McKinnon, just the word he used was leisurely, leisurely skates in from the blue line all alone because all five Dallas star skaters collapsed onto Miko because he is this excellent, exceptional scorer that's about to get to 50. And he just found Nathan McKinnon wide open. Like it's it's great to hear national media talk about these guys because it makes you realize just how lucky you are to get to watch them every night. Yeah, indeed. I mean, we ride the roller coaster of the season with these guys. So some of the down moments, we'd maybe take a little bit more down here as as Avalanche fans and media. But um, yeah, it's good to put it in perspective of how you know spoiled we actually are here with this team and how. You know, Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr are coveted by every team in the NHL. Yeah. And and here we get to watch, but not to mention Miko Ranton and the most quiet, potent goal scorer in the NHL. Quiet meaning nobody's paying attention to this guy because he's got Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr next to him. Two seasons ago, he had 66 points in the shortened season over a full 82 game or sorry, over a full 75 game pace. And I'll tell you in a second why I'm using that number. It was a 96-point average over 75 games. And then last year, 92 points in 75 games. This year so far, 92 points in 75 games. Miko Rantanen over the last three seasons has operated at a clip of over 100 points in an 82-game pace. He is unbelievable. We don't talk about it enough, but guys like Arda will remind us of that. 
Indeed. Indeed. So thanks for hanging out with us today on this edition of the podcast and look out for the bonus podcast on Monday with Arda Ocal. Definitely uh, something you don't want to miss. So closing thoughts, Arif, get out of here for a Sunday episode. That's it for me. I'm going to go enjoy this Denver sunshine and talk to you guys again after a San Jose game or two. Yep. Let's see how the avalanche fare on this California road trip. So thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, if you made it this far in the podcast, what's well, that pretty little heart of yours? Let's make hockey for everyone, and we out you.